Sometimes I ask a person or ask persons what are one of the things they most value about their experience at Deep River Friends. And one of the things they will say, and I want to preface it by saying this, I so appreciate Fred's presentation this morning. Um, I have come to appreciate Fred's simplicity, uh, Fred's uh, economy of words and how he can say so much uh, and choose his words so well. Um, but his willingness to just come here and share out of his heart and, and be transparent. And that's what we value as a friend's meeting. I also appreciate the fact that Deep River doesn't always do what I would call a high pressure appeal or a full court press. In other words, what you see is what you get. And as Fred said so very well, this really is between you and God. This really is between you and your own journey and where you find yourself. We feel it's our, our, our role, and Fred felt it's his role to let you know what the situation was, and then discernment happens from there. But having said that, I do think it's an important conversation to redefine stewardship and see it in, in a much more broader way, because the tendency is to think about it in terms of money and pledges and budgets. And so I want to attempt just a quick definition and then kind of work the way through the scripture and then give you just a few what I would call suggestions as to what stewardship redefined would look like. So when I think about it, I think about stewardship this way. It has more to do with how you and I manage and appropriate what has been given or gifted to you and I. It has to do with the way in which we bring life to our world through the gifts that we've been given through God. In other words, how do we bring ourselves to this world in a way that is life-giving because of what God has given us? And stewardship is this way of appropriating and managing what you and I have been given and managing them well. That's really what a steward does. A steward in the scripture is one who orders and structures their life around what the owner intends things to be. And when we are being stewards, we are asking ourselves, well, who actually owns it? And if, 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 if I don't own it, who does? And how do we appropriate that? And how do we manage that? This is where this passage from 1 Chronicles comes into play. So King David has this big task. He wants to build this temple that's going to be the center of their worship and life together. Now, don't think of just another building project as happening for them. This is something that was key and important. It defined who they were. It was what gathered them together as a community. It, this is something they needed. And he knew that his son Solomon wasn't up to the task yet. So it says that David starts organizing this project using every resource at his disposal. I just want to add something right there. You're going to hear me say a word a few times, which I think is very important, called whole life stewardship. I think stewardship is about more than just money. It's about our whole life. Using every resource at our disposal, which is our mind, which is our bodies, which is uh, our gifts, our talents and abilities and skills. It's everything that we are that we bring to this world. And David writes... Uh, Chronicles writes, the writer puts it, that the people rejoiced at this response because they presented their offerings to the Lord so willingly and wholeheartedly that King David also rejoiced. And the presence of the joy was this mark. And one of the things that I have often discovered is the presence of joy of healthy steward, the presence of joy is a mark of healthy stewardship. It's not this joy that's just manufactured through gritting our teeth and a lot of self-talk. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy this. We have been gifted by God. We've been given a life. We've been gifted by God that, that everything that is within our possession, God has gifted us with. Our lives, our abilities, all our capabilities, our minds, our skills, everything. 
God has gifted us with this. So how do I bring this to the world in a way that brings life around God's intentions and purposes? I want to read a longer passage from 1 Chronicles 29 because I want you to hear what David has to say. This is in the same chapter that John read. Blessed are you, Lord God, of our ancestor Israel, forever and always. To you, Lord, belong greatness and power, honor, splendor, and majesty. Because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingship, and you are honored as head of all. You are the source of wealth and honor, and you rule over all. In your hand are strength and might, and it's in your power to magnify and strengthen all. And now, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly? Since everything comes from you, we have given you that which comes from your own hand. I figured up that when I was at Taylor University, we had chapel three times a week. I, let's see, nine months of school, is that right, I guess? Um, I don't know. How many weeks? I went to a lot of chapel services. I remember two sermons out of those chapel services in my four years at Taylor University. And the one I remember the most was a guy who came and stood before us cocky college students, and he said this, God doesn't owe you anything. God owns you. Come again? God doesn't owe you anything. God owns you. Now, that was really hard for cocky college students to hear because we thought we owned everything, and it was ours to dictate, and it was ours to determine how it should be. I think what he was saying is the same thing that's being said in this, in this passage, that the one who owns everything is really God. God is the owner of all. God is the source of all. God is the ruler of all, because everything in heaven and on earth belongs to you. And one of the keys that I have found in my stewardship giving and my whole life stewardship is getting right who owns what and who is the owner. I may have my name on a mortgage. I may have my name on a car loan. I may say I own that. But really, God is the owner of everything in this life. And I have simply been invited to be stewards of it in a way that is faithful to God's intents and God's purposes in this world. Now, that is a really hard mind shift to make in this world, isn't it? It's to realize that we don't own everything, that we really are servants of what God gives us and what God gifts us with. Because what happens is it becomes a very personal thing. Instead, it becomes just mine. It becomes all of ours. And how do we discern how this is shared and used and stewarded while we live. Author and pastor John Ortberg describes a time he remembers beating his grandmother in the game of Monopoly. As he gloated over his empire of railroads and utilities of streets and avenues, all with houses and hotels. And his grandmother gently reminded him that at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. And he remembered that that's really true because at the end of our game, at the end of our life, it all goes back in the box. So how are we going to appropriate what God has given us in a way that is life-giving for all and life-giving for this world? What I want to suggest to you are just very quickly some ways that I have come to at least think about stewardship redefined. 
whole life stewardship. So here we go. Stewardship is redefined, stewardship redefined encompasses our whole life, not just our wallets. In other words, how am I managing the other areas of my life that have been given to be my God? My relationships, my mind, my body, my heart, my soul, my potential, my skills, and my abilities. You know, one of the things I sometimes recognize is God has given us a lot more than just money. And if I'm not careful, I do real damage to that which God has given me. Sometimes my mind, sometimes my body, sometimes my soul. So how do we manage well everything that God has supplied for us and gifted us with? We have so much potential, and people have so much potential that's underutilized. It lays buried beneath sometimes a load of shame and fear, a sense of unworthiness. How do we excavate that potential and begin to steward it as well so that we see it as just more than what's in our wallets? Stewardship redefined, I believe, means living a generative life, a life in which we're reproducing goodness, vitality, and life in our world. And you've heard me say this, but I believe God designs it so that we flourish, that we can bring this flourishing presence to our world. The word flourish really means vitality and vigor. It means... It means to, to have this sense of purpose and meaning and, and to flourish. And when we flourish, we bring to this world a sense of life that's for the common good. We bring energy. We bring all sorts of goodness that I think is as much about our stewardship as anything else is. Stewardship redefined means living this generative life. How am I generating goodness wherever I go? How am I generating life wherever I exist? How am I generating vitality and vigor through the presence that I'm bringing into all the places in which I exist? I think people do this sometimes through their financial gift, but sometimes it's offered through a person's abilities as a volunteer. Other times people offer compassionate presence, or they advocate for those that are marginalized or hurting and oppressed. It will look different for all of us, but the end goal is the same. I think to bring this flourishing presence to our world. Stewardship redefined, I think, is also managing well our own power so that others may flourish. Now, that's, that's a significant one. Managing our power well so that others may flourish. I'm not going to go to it right now because we don't have time, but when you read Philippians 2, you realize that Jesus had all sorts of power. But it says in that passage that he emptied everything that he had about him. He emptied his power so he could serve. The clearest stewardship of power is that of serving others. That when we hoard power, we make it all about us. But when we're faithful stewards of our power, we make it about others. And to be faithful stewards of our power is to use whatever influence or privilege we may have on behalf of others so that others may flourish, so that others may have a chance and opportunity, so that others may have a voice. It may be to come alongside others and offer encouragement and even advocate on their behalf so they may make the most of their opportunities and develop themselves in the process. But I would probably dare say you and I have much more power than we realize. And how can we be good stewards of our power and our influence to help others? Stewardship redefined is passing along to future generations an opportunity to be fruitful and flourishing. We are indebted to those who've gone before us, and we're investors on behalf of those who will come after us. We're indebted to those who have passed on to us a living tradition, a living story, resources, and funds, and we're investors in the future, investing our lives and resources into the lives of others, children, young people, investing in the community, investing in future leaders. I take walks around here just trying to imagine what does it mean to be a good steward 
of this place that has been given to us. I'm sure they had rough moments. I'm sure when they decided to leave the meeting house across the street here and build a new one meeting house, I'm sure consensus probably didn't come easy. Never does when you're building something in a friend's meeting. I'm sure they had those moments. But I'm sure they also realized if we don't sometimes change, if we don't sometimes invest in the future, we're not going to have a future. And here we are having worship and prayer groups and weddings and baby dedications and memorial services because there were people in the past that gave of their life and their generosity, their time and their energy because we could benefit from this. So who's going to benefit from us in the future? How can we invest now so that there will be those who come after us will be able to have the same experience? Stewardship redefined is realizing nothing in our life is wasted. Not even our failures, our pain, nothing. The messiness of our lives can be recycled and redeemed. Now, this may be a, a much different one to imagine, that we can be good stewards of our pain. But where I got this from was from an author named Frederick Buechner who had written about his own painful upbringing as a child and as an adolescent. And as he shared years ago at a retreat, someone came up to him and said, you know, you have been a good steward of your pain. And he says, I've never thought about it that way, but he says, in a sense, I guess I was. And then he goes on to add this. Being a good steward of your pain involves being alive to your life. It involves taking the risk of being open, of reaching out, of keeping in touch with the pain as well as the joy of what happens. Because at no time more than at a painful time do we live out of the depths of who we are instead of the shallows. But you do not have to write books about your pain to be a good steward of it. What is, most, what is perhaps most precious about pain is that if it doesn't destroy us, it can confer on us a humanity that needs no words to tell of it and that can help others become human, even as they can help us. I think to be good stewards of our pain means that we come into this world and we become what Henry Nouwen says, wounded healers. We say, you know, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. And sometimes it's a really, really rough road, and sometimes I'm really broken. But I'm going to allow myself in many ways to be reclaimed and redeemed and restored, and I'm going to share that with you because there may be others that are going through this as well. That's what we find when people take their pain and they share it in support groups, or they share it in small groups, or they share it with other folks and say, this is what I've been through. Now, I want to steward this well. This is what I call whole life stewardship. It's taking everything that we are and all that we are, every bit of it, and it's looking at God's gifts in our life and then reinvesting it, if you will, back into this world to say we want to help make this world better. We need to make this world better, and we want to help it flourish. One last story, and this may be a good way to end, because I learned this past week that one of the best places to start when you're talking about stewardship is simple gratitude for life. So just give me a couple minutes here, because I know we're right about 12 o'clock. So I went to visit Linda Rogers. Most of you don't know Linda Rogers. Some of you do. Linda sat for years back in that section over there um, until about six years ago. And Linda, for the last five to six years, has been homebound, literally chair-bound, because she has chronic pancreatitis. And for about four years, she spent herself hooked up to a feeding tube. 
And just within the last few months, she no longer has the feeding tube. In fact, I asked her, I said, why no feeding tube? And she said, my son Gary just finally said to the doctor, no more. We're just not going to do the feeding tube anymore. She's stable. She's not gaining weight, but she's not losing weight. Linda has no sense of smell. Linda has no sense of taste. She can taste hot and cold. She can taste sweet and salt. But she says, I can't tell you the difference between a grape and an apple. She says, the thing I miss most is the pleasure of taste. She has no sense of smell. She doesn't know the aroma of good food. And she pretty much sits there during, with her caregiver, doesn't know whether she's going to have a good day or a bad day because of her chronic pancreatitis. And so she's sharing this with me this past week as I sat there with her. And of course, Susie goes pretty regularly as well, and she's probably heard some of the same stories. But then Linda looks at me, and she just kind of looks me right in the eye, and she says, but I want to tell you, she says, every day that I wake up, I thank God just for the gift of life. I thank God for the gift of life, and I thank God for this day. Counterintuitively, I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. But realistically, I'm saying, my goodness, she's right. She is absolutely right. Life is an amazing gift. And to really understand and tap into life can transcend anything that we're ever going through. She has found it. And she understands it. And in that moment, she was being a good steward of it because she shared it with me. And I left that place, left that moment, thanking God for all that life has to offer, realizing that sometimes it doesn't go well, but realizing that oftentimes it does. And I don't want to take it for granted. Stewardship is about more than just dollars and cents. It's about more than budgets. We got to talk about that here because we got light bills to pay. We got people to take care of. And by the way, I want to say this also. It's more than just that. Three times a week, we have groups that meet here for recovery and help through AA. We serve about 1,400 meals a year through uh, the homeless shelter at Open Door Shelter. We serve probably about 300 meals a year through Leslie's House, another uh, homeless shelter. These are all good things. It's not just about lights. It's not just about salaries. It's the whole picture, whole life stewardship, simply because I think God has called us to bring hope and healing to this world through not only what we can provide and give, but mostly through who we are as God's people.